2: Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, college football fans across the nation and around the world. This is Tim May with the Tim May Podcast, and it's a podcast meant for you folks because college football season is back upon us. Uh, I've been I've loved college football since the time I can remember breathing, and and uh, this year is no exception. Yeah, I know the season kind of got started last weekend. Of course, I think Nebraska fans wished it really hadn't, but that's another story for another day. Maybe before Ohio State plays Nebraska. But the bottom line is it's Ohio State at Minnesota on Thursday night, primetime on Fox, and then diving right into the season, Uh, basically a Big Ten game right off the bat. And uh, to help me kind of break down Ohio State, not just Ohio State, but also the national scene, what to look for, uh, so maybe some surprises that could be coming around the corner, I've got three of my favorite people on the podcast this week. Uh, First one will be Dennis Dodd of CBSSports.com, national expert, Next one will be Bill Bender of SportingNews.com, another national expert who happens to live in the central Ohio area. And then i will have Austin Ward, or I call him Awesome Ward, from LettermanRow.com, my same digs. And we'll be talking about what he expects nationally, but also mainly what he expects from Ohio State from the get-go. And I'll, of course, be chiming in with my two cents worth. You know, but without any further ado, let's get right to my interview with Dennis Dodd. As I'd like to welcome in one of my good friends out there in the national scene, Dennis Dodd, a senior writer of CBS You've been reading this stuff for decades, isn't that right? Uh Dennis.
0: 23 years. So I guess that's right. Yeah.
2: Yeah, that's decades. That's going on three. <laughs> but uh, I just want to get your uh your thoughts on a couple of couple of questions here, several questions here, uh concerning Ohio State, concerning the Big Ten, concerning the national scene, headed into the start of this 2021 season, which I think is going to be uh, extremely interesting. But uh, let's just go right quick. What is the perception right now of Ohio State? Uh, when I say Ohio State, what's the first thing that comes to your mind?
0: Uh, as good as they've been, head and shoulders above everybody in the conference, similar to Clemson and Alabama. Um, you know, we, what, what are they calling it, playoff fatigue with the same three teams in it? Yeah. Get used to it, folks. I mean, it's, it's, it's going to be the same. And I think that's what's so unique about it during the, history, the long and glorious history of the Big Ten, we've never seen anything like this run uh, Ohio State's on. Not only are they winning, they're just pounding people. Um, and, and winning big. I shouldn't say pounding people, but but dominating uh, and winning big. And that's never happened before in this league, and there's no sign that's going to let up.
2: I was going to leave you right into my next question. What is the expectation for Ohio State this year? You expect Ohio State to be – in that uh, final four, just what's your, what's your, what's your take?
0: Yeah. I mean, I've got them. I think I've got them third uh, behind Oklahoma and Alabama, but it doesn't really matter. They're going to be in the, in the top four. They should go undefeated. And even if there's a, there's a hiccup here and there uh, they will be in the big 10 championship game and and likely win that again. So I just, uh, you know, I, I write off some of the, some of these numbers that stand out to me from 2020, even though they, You know, they went all the way or almost all the way. Um, uh, Jeff Hatley's defense led the country in 2019, 4.13 yards per play. Last year, it's 5.85, second biggest jump in the country. That never really stood out to me except maybe, you know, the last game against Alabama. But again, I'm willing to write all of that off to inconsistencies, COVID, everything else. This is going to be a really, really good team in defense.
2: Yeah, as I, as I keep saying, uh, 2020 was a referendum on only one thing, that is that the major, the big-time programs did survive and thrive, you know, in an in a otherwise challenging situation. Uh, the most intriguing player that comes to mind on uh, Ohio State for 2021, what is, uh, you know, obviously they've named a starting quarterback, C.J. Stroud, for the opener and stuff, but what's the most intriguing player on the Ohio State roster as far as you're concerned?
0: I'll say Stroud only because I've met him and I've seen him quote unquote play. I was at a quarterback camp in Santa Monica in May, and you know, with 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 the best quarterbacks in the country, like the only one that wasn't there was Spencer Rattler. Um, and everybody else was there. And he was very mature, moving in and up, you know, talking to people. Obviously, he was throwing. He was very impressive. I didn't know he was that tall, but yeah. for his um, I guess age, he seems very Uh, aware, self-aware of himself. And when I, you know, I go in to that won the job, this is going to be the guy. I mean, I I knew nothing about the other guys, but um, I said, this is going to be the guy I understand why Ohio state recruited him. Um, He's got a rocket arm. Uh, And so that's gotta, he's gotta be, you know, the most intriguing player to everybody coming off Justin Fields, you know, on all time at Ohio state, what's this offense going to look like? With C.J. Stroud, are they going to rely on the run more just to get him more used to things? And what does that even mean when Justin Fields was one of the best guys at reading when to go? Uh, Maybe not one of the best runners, but when to run effectively, first down, short yardage, stuff like that. So I think that'll all all be part of it. I, I was really intrigued by him and really impressed with him as a person.
2: Gotcha. What is the Big Ten prediction out there? Obviously, you've already played your hand in terms of you mm-hmm. think Ohio State's going to get it done, possibly be the number three seed in the in the Final Four for the for the College Football Playoff. But uh, past that, is there is there a team right now? Let's look at more of this. Is there a team right now that you think could could jump up and surprise people in the Big Ten or maybe reemerge, <laughs> whatever you know, whatever yeah. term you want to use? Go ahead.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think people are. are... I think interested interested to see what Indiana does after last year. They were kind of the, the darlings in the big 10 and, and around the country just because of, you know, their coach and the way some of those games ended. They're amazing. Um, the defense has to get better. Michael Penix Jr. was injured. We'll see how that goes. Uh, he's the leading re- returning passer in the league. Um, I take that back second re- leading returning passer. I think Sean Clifford was first, but, you know, him, who's going to win the West? You know, I, I think Iowa's going to win it this year. I don't, Northwestern, to me, has is, is lost too much. Yeah. Uh, Wisconsin is very interesting because I don't know if they have that go-to tailback. Jalen Berger seems to be the guy. But I also don't, you know, I, I don't think they, they particularly care because they're going to put a lot on Graham Mertz. Um, talk to him a lot during the offseason. In fact, he lives in the next subdivision wow. here in Kansas. And uh, they're going to throw a lot. Um, Paul Christ is back as quarterbacks coach. And Graham Merce describes him as kind of a mad scientist play caller. Now, when we say Wisconsin's going to throw a lot, let's not go crazy. But yeah. I think more than usual, they 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 won't steamroll people. So, you know, I'll go with a, a, an Iowa-Wisconsin in the West and, uh, and see what happens from there.
2: Got you, man. Uh, national-wise, you've kind of played your hand there a little bit too. But uh, is there uh, – is there a surprise team that could jump into that Final Four? I mean, what 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 would be what as you as you printed it earlier? What is your final what is your Final Four? And is there a surprise team you've got your eye on? Go ahead.
0: Yeah, it's Alabama, Oklahoma, um, Ohio State, and Georgia. With uh, who's out of the top? I know I had uh, Iowa State six and Texas A and M seven. Wow. So I'm trying to remember number five. That's probably pretty obvious. Clemson but, um, or Clemson? Yeah, I had. I'm sorry, I. had – I had Clemson in the top four and Georgia at number five. I had, yeah. them, I had them missing out, so not two from the, from the SEC. To me, those top seven teams I mentioned control their own destiny. Um, you know about the top four. If Iowa State beats Oklahoma twice this year, and they almost did it last yeah. year and, ta- and take care of business otherwise, I think they'll be in. Um, Texas A&M has Alabama at home. Uh, And I know Alabama's, you know, beat the snot out of them as as long as Jimbo Fisher's been there, whether it's home or away. But they're a quarterback away from being really, really good. Uh, And that's not – and Jimbo Fisher's a quarterback maker. I don't – you know, King Haynes is a a dual threat guy that they think might get it. But I like them, and they they control their own destiny there. I think they can beat everybody else in the West. So um, those seven, I think once you get past seven – it's hard to project anybody in that top four because, you know, what the playoff has taught us over the first seven years is you take chalk, man, you know, it's not going to go far beyond that.
2: I agree. And I agree with the Texas A M m pick, man. I mean, the Texas a m uh, keep your eye on pick because, uh, you know, Jimbo has been building it there. Uh, what's going to emerge as a major national story. Do you think this, this, this fall, uh, Dennis, and it can be, you know, you can even merge that with your Heisman Trophy. Who do you think, you know, who, who have you got your eye on for the Heisman Trophy? In them, in a matter of two or three people, or one or two people, uh, but just what, what, just what are you, what are you keen on keeping an eye on? I guess this this fall.
0: Uh, well, as far as the Heisman goes, I let's go with everybody else. Spencer Rattler is the odds-on favorite at Oklahoma good pick since they have seven Heisman statues on Jenkins street across yeah. from the stadium and what three quarterbacks recently that have won it. So I think he's pretty good uh, in that conference. Brees Hall led the com- country and in, in rushing from Iowa state um, is in there. Sam Howell at, at North Carolina, but I think his is more of a function of going 10 and two, which I don't know if North Carolina can do hmm. given their losses, but you start with a good team and a good player and Spencer Rattler's on a on a run you know he had that bad start it wasn't until game five that he really turned it around he had a bunch of turnovers they were zero and two for the first time and in, in forever and then beat texas in quadruple overtime to go two and two and then he took off yeah i think he's i think he's better he, he was a little bit of a chicken running around with his head cut off last year not taking care of the ball that'll change they've got they are absolutely loaded at running back with uh, with eric gray and kennedy brooks coming back from an opt-out um, and, and all kinds of receivers. But it, the point being, that I think this is Lincoln Riley's best team he's had at Oklahoma in a year. What would this be, five? The defense is pretty good. It's more than pretty good. Um, they've got NFL players on that now. Um, cast in, you know, what the Big 12 usually is in defense. So, yeah, I mean, the look, the, the national storylines is, you know, can Alabama repeat? They are – there's an amazing stat – Uh, Nick Saban at Alabama is 63 and eight following national championship seasons, three times in those, in those, what what would it be six championship years? He's gone back to the championship game and won one. So I think that's worth talking about Um, all this other stuff off the field. Where's college football and college athletics going to end up Uh, realignment through the fall, a new, a new NCAA, if the NCAA even exists at all in any meaningful fashion, by next January, which I doubt it will. Uh, it's going to be a bit of a free-for-all. And I'm, I'm not sure that's not a good thing. You know, we're coming up on the two-month anniversary of NIL, and the world's still spinning on its axis. Yeah, uh, an LSU quarterback got a car. Um, Some Miami players got something from a gym owner. BYU walk-ons got their scholarships paid for. Yeah, But I don't see BYU or Miami winning any national championships. And so Ohio State... And Alabama are going to be really, really good, and Kansas and some other teams at the bottom aren't. So I think it's kind of evened out.
2: Now, I, I, that was the last thing I was going to ask you. And you touched on, you mentioned it a few few seconds ago. Is the NCAA, in terms of major college sports, uh, is it doomed?
0: Yeah, I don't know if it's doomed. I think it's going to exist only because they do put on a good, uh, you know, a good party every March in the, in the tournament in the Final Four, despite you know, what happened last March, kind of an awkward thing with the women's tournament. They do that well. Uh, you know, what they don't do is pretty much everything else, eligibility, academics, enforcement. I think you need some sort of enforcement piece, but do you want the NCA in charge of that? Because they're just so ham-handed and these things take so long and they're so short-sighted. Um, Baylor is still waiting for, you know, uh, or had to wait, what, eight months after its hearing, just to get its uh, verdict last month, I think it was earlier this this month, and it wasn't much. You know, after all that, um, we are all familiar with the Carolina case and ha- academic fraud. Yeah. But who who oversees that? And add to that, does NIL take care of a lot of that? Because all the stuff we're seeing <laughs> two months ago was a level one violation. Yeah. Uh, now it's okay.
2: Yeah. Jack Sawyer has one of the sweetest uh, – freshman uh, defensive end has one of the sweetest trucks you'll ever see, my man. Yeah. Uh, care of uh, uh, Mark Wahlberg Chevrolet, right? Who knew? Mark Wahlberg Chevrolet in <laughs> in, uh, in good old Columbus, Ohio. Hey, you know, and I was meaning basically about the football, but I, one last uh, thought I'll throw at you, Dennis, Free. You. you. know, you can go your own way when it comes to major college football. There's a lot of – you know, that seems to be the bent here, get away from the NCAA. You still got to have rules, man. You yeah. still got to have somebody saying no, you can't do this. Yes, you can do that, don't you? Yeah, oh
0: yeah. You have to have some central authority, whether that lies with the conferences, whether this long talked about commissioner of college sports or college athletics. But I, I don't see a Kevin Warren or a Greg Sankey uh, ceding any power to a central authority because look at the money they're making, look at yeah. the power they have, and always have had in these leagues, frankly. Um, so I don't think that's going to happen, and I don't I don't know what that looks like. How do you how do you develop a system where everybody agrees on enforcement? Or you know, like I said, there's just less to enforce. Um, look, I think we're going to see pretty quickly in the future whether it comes from one conference or several a proposal just to have either uh, larger rosters or unlimited rosters. If you can afford it, then what's the difference? You know, yeah. maybe you keep the scholarships at eighty-five. But if you want to bring in 200 guys, which Nebraska used to do, and Bear, under Bear Bryant they did at Alabama, why yeah. not?
2: Yeah. Yeah, you know, the only why not I would say, and I'll, you know, we'll end it with it, uh, is – what does that do to all these other colleges, man? I mean, I know you know that's that's tough luck, but no, it can't be a tough luck deal. You know, I mean, you, yeah, you got to have somebody else to play when you're, you know, when you're when you're getting when you're filleting your schedule such that you can uh, get three wins right off the bat. You got to have somebody else to play, and uh, you don't want to you don't want to throw everybody away. But you know, that's a discussion for another day. I, I'm I'm sure, Dennis, but uh, I just can't see unlimited rosters. I can't even see really going anywhere over much over a hundred, to be honest with you. But and the funny thing about it is, as you well know, right now the transfer portal is changing things as we yeah. speak. I mean, yeah. teams aren't even signing a full complement anymore. Waiting to see. Look at Michigan State this year. You know, the look. Look at what Greg Schiano's done with his roster at, at Rutgers the last two years. I mean, there are riches in that transfer portal, man. You just got to go yeah. mine them.
0: <laughs> uh Nebraska, I just counted yesterday, Nebraska lost 40 guys last since 2020. 40. 40. Um, and it goes both ways. Look, yes. the, the the hypocrisy of coaches preaching loyalty, uh, you know, is, yeah. is so lost with me. They're gonna be the first ones to go get a backup right guard if somebody leaves. So no, it's it's different. I, I think what we're seeing, uh, I should mention this, you know, that that separation that everybody talks about that the big schools may separate. From the group of five, I think we're, we've already seen it uh, in yes. many, many ways. You know, yeah. there's there's no way they can compete. If this alliance goes through as it should, there's going to be significantly less opportunities for the MAC, for Conference USA, for Sunbelt to play guarantee games and try to make their budget because they're all going to be playing each other. I, th- I think this is a death knell for, for conferences like that. And so what do you have? Well, right now... With the alliance and assuming the Big Eight, Big Twelve isn't part of it, you have fifty-seven schools at the top, and then there's everybody else. What does that look like? And when the commissioners get in the room, what sort of access do they get to the playoff? And more importantly for them, what sort of what sort of revenue share do they get? I mean, yeah. It's not going to be much.
2: Yeah, yeah. Times they are changing. Dennis Dodd, thanks for joining the Tim May podcast as usual. You're insightful and uh, always handsome. Appreciate it, my man. Anytime, Timmy. Thanks. One of the things you like about Dennis Dodd and what I like about Bill Bender uh, and what I like about Austin Ward, they're not afraid to say what they think. You know, with that in mind, let's move on to my basically the same general questions I asked Dennis Dodd, I asked of Bill Bender because I wanted to get, you know, the differing views on the same same questions. So without further ado, let's get to my interview with Bill Bender. Now turn to a Tim May podcast irregular, Bill Bender from the Sporting News. Welcome back to the Tim May podcast, my man. Hey, Tim, thanks for having me on. Hey, man, I just wanted to hit you, just like a uh, had Dennis Dodd on, I want to hit you with some uh, questions. You guys observe the national scene like a few others out there, and uh, I just kind of wanted to get an idea, you know, from you guys, how Ohio State fits into things, what you see about the Big Ten, uh, what do you see coming down the road uh, nationally this year? So let's just get right into it. What is – right now, Bill, if you had to put your finger, what is the perception – of Ohio State out there nationally. What is the perception of this football program as we sit here about ready to launch on the 2021 season? Well, it's a monster.
3: And you know they've taken over the Big Ten. They've won four straight Big Ten championships in dominant fashion. I think one of the stats we put in our Big Ten preview was something to the effect of Ryan Day is 17-0 in Big Ten games, and Ohio State scored 777 points in those games. It's been one-sided. and now it's about collecting national championships. You know, Jim Tressel and Urban Meyer, I think as we look back at their tenures, it was awesome. But people may ask, you know, why didn't they win more than one? You know, for Ryan, it's, people think Ryan Day is the most likely coach that doesn't have a natty to win one. Some people might say Kirby's smart, but I think with what Ohio State has coming back this year, you know, a Big Ten championship seems implicit and then we'll go from there.
2: Yeah. But, You know, as I like to remind people, Ryan Bay's only been a head coach for two seasons so far, you know, this is his third. <laughs> and right. And if you if you see somebody climbing stairs, it's Ryan Bay from uh, from ouster uh, in the semifinals to ouster in the finals. So I guess I'm getting to right here my next question. What is the expectation for Ohio State this year from your vantage point? Is it to finally get the job done? Obviously? Uh, we'll get into like who you like as far as making the final four, et cetera. But what is that great expectation for Ohio State this year? Uh, I think you already touched on they're heavily favored to win a fifth straight Big Ten championship, but go ahead.
3: No, I think they should expect to compete for a national championship as always. Um, you know, I put out a pool last week of, you know, which one of these, te- if you had to get one playoff team right and-, and just one to win your money, would you bet on Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson or Oklahoma and I would be inclined to bet on Ohio State from the standpoint I don't think they're going to get challenged in the Big Ten you know Alabama has to contend with the Texas A&M Clemson has an opener with Georgia that won't be easy Oklahoma has to deal with you know everything that they do in the Big 12 they haven't had a perfect Big 12 season under Lincoln Riley so I think that's why Ohio State to me is the most likely team to make the playoff now from there You've got to play against the big boys. And, you know, Ryan Day's had two years of experience with that. I think last year, and we heard Zach Harrison talk about this at Big Ten Media Day, there was a, and you know this, there was a palpable motivation to beat Clemson. They did that, and then Alabama, there was no, you know, they weren't given any bullets in board material. You had to go out and play that team. So for me, for Ohio State, it's about getting back to the national championship game, stacking up against those other heavyweights I mentioned, which will probably be the other playoff teams. Uh,
2: you know, when I asked Dennis Dodd this next question, he named CJ Stroud. I'm looking for the most intriguing player on the roster for Ohio State this year. So if you can go another direction there, or if you want to go CJ Stroud, that is absolutely fine with me. But uh, who's that intriguing player you've got your, You know, obviously everybody knows the quarterback now, who's going to be the starter. He's stepping into a Ferrari cockpit in terms of what's around him uh, defensively you know we'll talk about that in a minute probably yeah. but uh, they've got some things they've got to fix compared to a year ago but who's that in who's that player you've got your your eye on
3: oh uh, Trayvon Henderson probably if he wow. steps into that running back rotation you know because the big difference for Ohio State last year was that they, they really got going when Trey Sermon got going they became a different team a physical dominant team now Master Teague gonna have his chances. I know Henderson's only <clears throat> excuse me a freshman, but you know, does that running game complement what's the best receiver room in the country? If they have that, they're gonna be unstoppable. So I think he's won. You know, there's some intriguing guys on the defensive side. I mentioned Zach Harrison early, earlier it's his time to shine. It's his time to uh you know be that breakout defensive end that goes on to be a first round pick. We both know how heavily he was recruited out of Ulentanji. Um it's a big chance for him to step up as well. So those would be the two that I'm intrigued by Stroud, of course. I mean, Dennis stole that answer, but um, <laughs> everybody looks at the quarterback first.
2: Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, and as I like to say, you know, you, when Ryan Day names his starting quarterback at Ohio State now, the guy's an instant Heisman candidate, right? I mean, legitimate Heisman candidate. But uh, I'm like you, I'm I'm intrigued by those other guys because those, those are really going to be difference makers. And what stands out, I mean, I'm just adding a little comment here, what I like about your pick of Travion Henderson, you know, I like Mayan Williams, and I like Master Teague III for different reasons, but Travion Henderson appears to be a home run hitter, a possible home run hitter like J.K. Dobbins turned out to be. And if they add that element to their running game, like Trey Sermon was at the end of the year last year, uh, you're right. A Katie bar the door on this offense. This could be as great, of, as great offenses as we've seen at Ohio State the last seven or eight years. This could be the best one, you know. Yeah, I think all the parts are there.
3: Um, I think, Tim, not to interrupt, but, you know, Ohio State and Oklahoma, to me, are going to have the best offenses in the country. Now, I know Alabama, they they replace so much. And they're going to be good. It's not like Alabama's going to be bad. And Clemson's going to be good. But if you look at Ohio State's running back room, receiver room, what they got a quarterback, and then you look at Oklahoma, Rattler, Loaded running back room. They bring in Eric Gray from Tennessee, and then I think they have awesome receivers too. I mean, those are two offenses that. I mean, you want to average forty in today's game? I think both of them will be between forty-five and fifty.
2: Yeah, I agree, man. I, I just like—I kind of like the new bent in college football. I mean, uh, basically, which has made it a scoring contest. I mean, you know, any—I just—I just like to watch teams play offense. Let me just leave it at that. Uh, what's your Big Ten prediction? You've, you've already pretty much laid it out there. You think Ohio State's going to win its fifth straight Big Ten championship. Past that, what, what's, what are you, you going to be most intrigued about to keep an eye on this season? Who's that team that could uh, open some eyes, reopen some eyes, if you follow my drift there? Uh, who you got your eye on? Well,
3: I mean, if you got to talk Ohio State, you got to talk Michigan next. I mean, what what do they have this year? You know, are they going to be an embarrassment like on defense like they were last year? Does hiring Mike McDonald make a difference, get guys in the right position, mix up the coverages, have a more functional defense at every level? I mean, they've got a couple nice pieces on that defense. Dax Hill will play in the NFL. Aiden Hutchison will play in the NFL. And then offensively, do they have the right quarterback? I mean, Cade McNamara, there's been a lot of talk about him this summer. But to me, Cade McNamara isn't a guy – He reminds me more of a Shea Patterson. When they play Ohio State, can the quarterback be an absolute difference maker? Now they have a five-star freshman they like too, and JJ McCarthy. And I'm starting to wonder how patient will they be in Ann Arbor against a tough schedule with Cade, knowing that you got that five-star freshman waiting behind him.
2: Yeah, and you know, and you know, we'll see if this follows follows through at Michigan. But Nick Saban, uh, Debo Sweeney. Uh, even Ryan Day, I mean, let's face C.J. Stroud's a redshirt freshman because what he did last year really didn't count because of the pandemic. Uh, uh, and even Lincoln Riley, they're not afraid to play freshmen <laughs> quarterbacks anymore. That's that's passe, you know. And uh, if you've got a talented guy there, a difference maker, you throw him out there and, and see what he see where he can take you. Uh, what's your national prediction? Give me a give me. Uh, I'm, I'm, I think you've already hit hit it on the head that you like Oklahoma. Who do you like? Uh, you like Ohio State possibly make that Final Four again. Well, who are your other two schools? Uh, the regular, uh, usual suspects, Alabama.
3: Well, what am I supposed to do? Yeah, of course I'm picking Clemson to win the ACC. I, I think that <laughs> opener against Georgia's interesting, uh, knowing that Clemson their last two playoff games they've gotten blasted. You know LSU destroyed them, Ohio State destroyed them, and so I think their defense and Brent Venables is on the spot here against Georgia. But I still like them to win that game. I think DJ Yuangalele is going to be a stud, and they win the ACC again. And then uh, it's, you can't really not pick Alabama, I guess. Um, just went over a story that we had running today that, you know, that they're going to win their opener against Miami. They're probably going to blow them out. They're 10-0 in neutral side openers. I think Bryce Young is going to be very good. Um, so it, it's crazy to think this, though, I, and I that, okay, so I'm picking the usuals, Oklahoma, Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson. In the playoff era, those four haven't been in the playoff together somehow. And I don't know how that's possible. That Every weird? time I look yeah. at it, how how the four of them didn't get in together, which could make, you know, if if you did the matchups, it's like we've seen them all. So uh, maybe we get this year, we get like Oklahoma, Ohio State, and an Alabama Clemson part 40 or whatever they're on now.
2: Yeah. I'll tell you a team I got my eye on though, man, uh, and I wanted to ask you this. Uh, who's that team you you think could, could step up and, and upset the apple cart a little bit? Uh, I'll let you name a team, and then I'll give you my team. Go ahead.
1: Well,
3: I mean, if you look, it's it's who can honestly challenge in the conferences. I, I'm Texas A&M's got my attention. Oh, there's the my defense. team. That's my Is team. That, you are you explain yeah. Texas A&M first, yeah. and then I'll do somebody else. No,
2: no, I I, I I like Texas A&M. I mean, obviously they're replacing Kellen Mond, but I'll be honest with you, I didn't. I thought Kellen Kellen Mond underachieved there, and uh, if their young quarterback comes through, I, I think. Uh, Jimbo's got the pieces. I think really defensively is where they've really gotten better uh, under Jimbo Fisher. And, uh, you know, obviously after kind of getting thwacked the last uh, last two meetings, I mean, now, you know, they know they've got to make a statement game against, uh, against Alabama this year. And that game is at Cal field at Texas A&M. So I'm intrigued by that matchup. Let me put it that way. Just like I'm intrigued by Clemson, Georgia. I think, uh, you know, Alabama, Texas A&M is, is pretty early in the year. And uh, I think both of those two games could really set the tone for what's coming down the road in November. But go ahead. No, AM. You know, Jimbo's
3: done this before. Jimbo, well, you, the Florida State era gets mocked, but they they won thirty straight games. Yeah. I mean, and the biggest piece was the quarterback. Once he had Jameis, they were they were dominant. I covered them down in North Carolina for a couple of years and just covering ACC games and. They had a dominant NFL roster. And if he can build that at Texas A&M, they're going to have a chance to be very good. If I had to go outside them, I guess my sleeper would probably be Iowa State, even because they're in the Big 12. They're gonna they know they can beat Oklahoma. They've done it. Yeah. Uh, Matt Campbell's done a fantastic job building program. My problem, my reservation there is play Iowa early haven't beat Iowa yet so to me it's like you've got to beat Kirk Ferentz before you can start thinking about Big 12 championship and playoff and those kind of things so you know those are two that are kind of in that top 10 that you know haven't made the playoff that um maybe they can
2: yeah you know it's funny like Iowa State has a roster that's really extremely well coached they really get up for those major challenges yet they don't have that what I call that roster that can carry them through a slight letdown kind of situation. You, you, you know what I'm saying? I mean, the uh, the, the difference makers, uh, uh, but we'll see, man, I, I think anything's possible in college football anymore among the top, uh, 20 schools or so. I think anybody can almost beat anybody on a given day. Uh, your Heisman favorites right now, you know, obviously Dennis and I talked about Spencer Rattler. I mean, I think that's the obvious uh, call out there, but, what, uh, but then, Wanted to get your take on him, but then past that, who 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 have you got your eye on?
3: Well, I mean, Rattler and Sam Howell, obviously, are going to put up big numbers at quarterback. Yeah. Um, it's hard to get away from them. If Ohio State had a Heisman candidate, it would probably be Stroud, just because he's going to put up big numbers. And I'm not sure Wilson or Alave or Embuca M- or whoever – can put up the numbers that Devontae did because they're going to spread it out so much. You know, I don't know that Garrett Wilson or Olave can have that Devontae Smith year and get enough attention doing it um, yeah. because Ryan will spread the ball a little bit. You know, there's two dark horses I'm looking at and they're one won't, won't win it, but keep an eye on Malik Willis at Liberty. It's a, that's a pool for you. I mean,
2: yeah.
0: he's going to get a lot of NFL
3: attention this year. He's going to put up Lamar Jackson like numbers. He's really talented quarterback playing for Hugh Freeze, who likes to put up a lot of points. And then I like Bijan Robinson at Texas. Um, running back average more than eight yards per carry. Anytime a running back averages that many yards per carry, that tells me, it's like we were talking about Travion earlier. That's a guy that can take to the house. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised, like for Travion this year, if he maybe, I don't know that he'll be a thousand-yard rusher or anything like that, but if you look at his yards per carry, I bet it's going to be up there.
2: Yeah, it's funny. Uh, two throw it in there. You already mentioned C.J. Stroud, you know, has a possibility to put some big numbers up. Ugalele uh, at, uh, at Clemson and Bryce Young at Alabama. I mean, you could have three first-year starters who are really, at the end of the year, if things go the way you think, could be in there. I mean, who would have ever thunk that, you know, way back when Archie Griffin was winning two straight Heismans, you know, that, uh, f- you know, freshman or first-year starting quarterbacks could be that highly regarded, much like Justin Fields was at Ohio State two years ago. It, it's a different age we live in now, isn't it, Bill?
3: It really is. And, and it's changed that the running back used to be the focal point. And I think, I believe the last two running backs to win the Heisman were Ingram and Henry, Alabama guys. The last non-Alabama guy to win it was Reggie Bush. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't happen as much as it used to. So, And part of that is, you know, with Devontae winning the Heisman last year, the receiver positions become arguably more important. Because they, they can rotate two, three running backs in a game, but you have that one or two difference makers at receiver. We've seen it the last two years with Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddell the year before with um, Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase. So yeah. Ohio State's basically following that model. I mean, when you look at that room, and you know that room a little closer than I do, I see at least four first-round picks. That receiver, just receiver.
2: Yeah. Which is
3: wild. And maybe, maybe one of one of those guys transfers, maybe not. I know. Jameson Williams did in the offseason, but uh he went to a place where he'll probably be a first round receiver when it's all said and done.
2: But, but you know, there's there's room coming in the end because you got you know, you gotta figure out a leaving now, you know, after this season, you know, based on uh based on longevity. And then uh Garrett Wilson, if he has a year everybody thinks he can have, you know, there there will be vacancies, you know, so guys can step up and stuff. But you're right. I mean, Devante Smith, you know I, I think Chris Olave could have this kind of year if they feature him. But what stood out about Devontae Smith was just how stunningly spectacular he was when he got his hands on the ball, you know. And uh, uh, and the way Sarkeesian worked in all those crossing routes and stuff that that had him going full speed and Mac Jones hitting him in stride. And, uh, you know, if C.J. Stroud, I mean, I, I never discount anybody because I think a lot of times the quarterbacks cancel themselves out, you know, uh, to a certain extent in the vote. But uh, I'm with you 100%. Hey Bill, let me ask you one last thing. Uh, you've been around. You've been around the Columbus area for a long time too. Uh, and this, this is what's intriguing to me. Uh, you live in the Pickerington area. How much has Jack Sawyer's presence at Ohio State piqued the interest even more in your neck of the woods? I mean, these two freshman defensive ends, five stars, uh, who could possibly really just really just make a huge uh, step onto the national stage. How much does that pique the interest around where you are when you you know there's a guy from your hometown who could be a big-time star? No,
3: I mean, it's huge. And, and Pickerington, obviously, we've talked about this before. Central and North have become pipelines to Ohio State. I know uh, they've got a couple other Pickerington guys on the team. Max Lamonico, he, uh I got a quick one for you. Uh, Max Lomonico, is a <laughs> long snapper at Ohio State now. He's a freshman. He was reffing our flag football games last year. He was taking the time to do that after playing for Central, coming out and doing flag football games, being a ref. I yelled at him all the time, um, you know, asking for reviews and things like that. But uh, I'm so happy he's playing for the Buckeyes too, honestly. So we're looking forward to seeing him. But he played for Central. And then, of course, Jack played for North. Um, they, They definitely represent this community well. I went out to the North Lancaster game last week. There's more on the way. I mean, there there are there's there's some really good players down here in Pickerington, and I and I'm guessing it's like that in Dublin, and Worthington, and Hilliard, and I would make the argument that you know, Central Ohio football has really improved since. And I was playing high school football in Central Ohio 20 years ago, but to me, the suburbs have become really big, have become really effective. They've sent a lot of talent to the Buckeyes, and I think Ryan Day and Urban before him have done a good job of nailing down the studs. We talked about Zach Harrison. You've got to nail those guys down. So long-winded way winded way of saying, I think Jack Sawyer is going to be an outstanding player. I think with Larry Johnson, he's going to develop into another Joey Nick Bosa type, and, and he's got the head for it too. And we, we spotted that early with him, that we knew he's a humble kid. He just wants to work. He's funny. He's engaging. He helped around the community. He's a great kid.
2: Yeah, and he's so eager to play after missing last year and not playing. Thinking he might get a winter season at Ohio State, but that, you know, that all kinds of things change to, to keep that from happening. He
3: It's weird. Was, it's yeah. it's weird saying that guy's a kid that, you know, he could pick me up and probably hammer toss me about 50 yards if he yeah. did, you know, he looked like he's put on a little bit of weight too.
2: Yeah. He's put on about 30 pounds, man. I mean, he, he looks different than he did when he first walked in at Ohio State, you know, and it's kind of, I'm just, I'm telling you, Ohio State, I've never seen a collection of talent like they've got now. And I always have to, have to add the rejoinder that yeah, I'm not talking about they have an Orlando pace, you know, or, a, or a Will Smith. We'll see if they have a Will Smith, you know, uh, or a Bosa, but they've got the makings of some of those guys. And uh, uh, wow. It's just when you think things could be plateauing, I think things are gonna go up even more for Ohio state this year because that wealth of talent, Bill Bender, my Tim may podcast here regular. Thanks for joining me again, my man. Hey, no problem, Tim. Thanks for having me on. And yeah, always a pleasure, my man. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family.
3: No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.
2: Well, Austin Ward uh, saved, uh, excuse me, Awesome Ward, I saved the best for last. Don't tell Bill Bender and uh, Dennis Dodd I said that. Of course, they'll hear it as soon as they listen to this podcast, because this is must-listening. <laughs> For anybody out there, I do believe. Don't you believe that too? Build me up a little bit.
1: I hope so. I mean, it's uh it's one of the best college football podcasts in the history of podcasts.
2: Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. That was awesome, Ward. Unsolicited, unpaid for endorsement, even in this even in this era of name, image, and likeness. But I digress. Also, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw the same questions, uh, general questions out there to you that I threw out there to those experts because I consider you an expert. Uh well, that's too okay. good. Uh, what I want to know is, you know, what, what is, I don't know, what is the perception right now of Ohio State football from your vantage point? You talk to people around the country, you pay attention. What is that perception of this program?
1: Uh, the the elite of the elite. Uh, now, there's a three, four, or five teams that fit in that category, and they've been trading championships and and wins in the college football playoff, and obviously Alabama got that last one, and um, so they've got the current bragging rights uh, over Ohio State, but Ohio State got it over from Clemson with the Sugar Bowl. Those are the three at the top, Oklahoma and Georgia. Uh, you know, they belong in the conversation. They haven't had the success in that college football playoff to the level that those other three have. But so those, are the, those are the powerhouses. Those are the juggernauts. And you, you don't have to just watch college football to know that because once they get to the NFL level, you're seeing uh, Ohio State Buckeyes everywhere. That developed here moniker uh, is certainly apt and paying off at the next level. So it's it's a program that has it absolutely rolling and they're they're pro- they're poised, I think, for another big season.
2: You know, a dumb question that I follow up with here then, are what are the expectations for this team? Even Ryan Day, as this week started, you know, with the uh, season opener against uh, Minnesota coming up on Thursday night prime time, uh, the expectations are don't lose. I mean, and uh, <laughs> can't lose. Past that, well, what, 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 you know, is there a past that on the expectations? Is it, is it feasible, or is it right to think if Ohio State goes all the way and then loses in this national championship game again, uh, that it's in some way a failure? What, what's the expectation? What's your expectation for this team? I guess.
1: Yeah, you know, it's hard to set that up as the standard where you yeah. have to win it all or else. And that's just—it's really hard to do. We've said this before about. You know, when Ohio State might lose a game, that going undefeated is really hard and it's not as easy as they often make it look in the regular season getting through the Big Ten. Um, and that's not to set themselves up as an excuse um, if they don't win it, because I think that they are more than capable of doing so. Um, certainly, we'll see as C.J. Stroud develops and what happens starting Thursday night and moving forward, if if he's a guy that can push them over the top in that game, which, again, is is not a knock on Justin Fields for not doing it. Um, you know, that team two years ago was one of the most talented we ever saw. And they had a bunch of things that had conspired against them to keep them from winning that fiesta bowl and potentially winning a national championship. Yep. That's the only reason I bring that up. Why it's so hard. They will be in position to win the big 10. They should be in position to go to the college football playoff. I think they are capable of winning two games, but then you, once you get there, you know, it's cliche, but all bets are off. Those are really good teams. You have to win them back to back. You have to have all the bounces go your way. You have to stay healthy. So, in some ways, it's it's you know a little bit unfair to ask of Ohio State or Alabama or Clemson that you have to win the national championship where the season is a failure. That's not really reality, considering how hard it is to do it. And only one team out of 130 gets that gets that trophy at the end. Yeah. Um, I think the other part of it is Tim that this particular program, when you asked me about like the standing of it and the way that they handle their business, I really think that Ryan days continued what urban Meyer did before him and Jim Trestle before that. Ohio i it's done a really remarkable job, even though outside the Woody, the expectation is you have to win the national championship. That's the goal. You're capable of reaching it um, inside. They've always, and you know, this as well as anybody get to Indy, you know, win the big 10, win the rivalry game, keep the focus uh, you know, on Michigan winning that game in November, they've done a really, really good job, in my opinion, from my time around the team, of keeping the goal. Not talking about the goal being the national championship, because yeah. you're not going to be able to control that part. It's not a, it's not actually on the schedule right now. What is on the schedule are 12 games and the opportunity to potentially play in Indianapolis for the Big Ten title. And so the get to Indy stuff, the the, you know, the team up north periods, all that stuff, I think helps keep Ohio State focused on within that and not on the fact that they have to win the national championship or else.
2: Yeah, you know, uh, Ryan Day has a more genteel way of approaching it than Nick Saban when the questions come up. But there's no difference about their focus. Their focus is on that first play of their season opener and then go from there. You know, their focus is on execution, you know, and and right on down the line of guys doing what of, of guys being reliable, being accountable and getting the job done from one play to the next. And it sounds really, you know, trite and simple, but that's exactly what sets the great ones apart is don't tell me about what you're going to do, do it, you know? And uh, that's why I agree with you hundred percent on everything you just said. Hey, let's just jump real quick. Now, most intriguing player, I think he's kind of, you can clip this one off a little bit. The most intriguing player that no one is talking about right now on this Ohio state football team in a nutshell,
1: yeah, I, I think I would probably let you have Travion Henderson. I think that if I had to guess, just knowing you, I think that that's the one you'd pick. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's my prediction. Uh, for me, uh, it's a veteran player. It's not some of the intrigue around, you know, a newcomer, freshman. I, I think Cameron Brown, um, to, to break away from our Josh Proctor uh, weekly conversation, yes. Cameron Brown, a healthy Cameron Brown, what he can provide Ohio State in the secondary, which they really need, what was lacking when he came out, that depth, that better experience, the speed, the physicality. Um, I think a winning attitude as well I really like. I, I talked about him a few weeks ago on the podcast when we talked about the defense. Cameron Brown is a great uh, person to communicate with. His teammates love him. What he, what they lost when he was not on the field at cornerback last year I think was uh, a bit overlooked uh, how significant how he you was. Know, He was to Ohio State and maybe what led to some of those past defense woes. Um, You know, we'll see if he's fully through with that pitch count. Get in here in these first couple of weeks against some teams that will have the ability to throw the football. We'll have a better idea uh, of where he is at that. But, man, if, if he's ready to go, I really believe that he has first round potential at cornerback. And you put him in seven banks out there, that could be pretty special.
2: Dude, I mean, you, you, you sort of read my mind because I was going to go the same direction in the okay. sense of a guy that's very talented, but you haven't seen him at 100% yet or at 100% for for longer than uh, two or three, seems like, days. Uh, Cam Brown and then also Teron Vincent in the middle of that defense. Antoine Jackson, you could throw him into that same mix, but if those guys play up to their potential – you know, and, yeah, I know the, the stars all go away, as uh, Zach Harrison reminded us again this week, once you're recruited and once you get in the door. But Teron Vincent was a big-time recruit that they got to play in the middle of that defensive line. And if they get out of him what you've always expected out of him this year and couple that with Antoine Jackson, another big-time recruit that first went to Auburn, then went to Blinn Junior College, then went to Ohio State, finally ended up at Ohio State, and I think he's been in Ohio State now for 31 years, had not he? It seems like it. But the bottom line is if they get those guys to go along with Haskell Garrett in the middle of that defensive front. I mean, I'm telling you, they got the ends to get the job done. Those are two guys I've really got my eye on. And of course, of course, Trevion Henderson. Uh, I just I just, you know, as much as I like Mayan Williams and as much as I like Master Teague the third, I think Trevion Henderson is one of those rare guys that comes along that is special. Could be special right out of the gate if he gets the chance, and uh, could really just turn this offense into a juggernaut. I mean, just because I expect it would take so much pressure off of CJ Stroud, and then on top of that, open up things for those wide receivers. I mean, I can't imagine a defense dealing with that. Can you?
1: No, and I don't know how teams are going to do it. You know, we 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 touched on that the ability to do whatever they want. You've got a story about. Uh, you know, coming this week at Letterman Row about balancing that for Ryan Day and not trying to do too much when they can l- really run anything. That's going to yeah. be, again, Tim May Tuesday. I'm coining it. It's going to stay here. Uh, we'll keep that going all but season. I mean, you don't camp. have another
2: one-on-one with Ryan Day to pop on there that day, do
1: you? <laughs> uh, Should have tipped you off on that one last That's week. But, you. yeah, um, you know, I, I just think back. Like, I don't know how any, te- any team would prepare to defend the passing attack with Chris Olave on one side and Garrett Wilson on the other, and because then guess what else you have? Jackson Smith and Jigba, another you know superstar wide receiver in his second year working in the slot. I just you know that's just the passing attack and well, that, Jeremy Rucker. That's without even saying Jeremy Rucker's yeah, name. Yeah. You know well, say it? his name. Say his name. Say it. Jeremy Rucker. So <laughs> um, it's crazy. Uh, I just you know what we talked about, and again, just to put a bow on on 2020 with how special that accumulation of talent was for Alabama. Yeah, I mean, if C.J. Stroud is able to come even relatively close to what Mac Jones did, and I, I think in terms of physical gifts, C.J. Stroud has more than what Mac Jones did, but it, it does it, you know that doesn't really matter for this conversation. But as long as he's able to tap into some of that potential with what's around him, we could be talking about one of the most special offenses in college football. You know, certainly in Ohio State history. We'll see what happens as they go along. Just that potential is that word that we've used all August, Tim, and on Thursday night we get to see if that translates to production the way we expect it might.
2: Exactly. Hey, and, you know, and this idea by C.J. Stroud, is he ready for it, et cetera, I just remind people that Rex Kern was a first-year starter in 1968, and that team went undefeated and won the national championship. Uh, J.T. Barrett was a first-year starter in 2014. They – well, excuse me, a jumped one. Craig Krenzel was a first-time starter, full-time starter. Uh, in 19, excuse me, 2002, they went on to win the national championship. We all know JT Barrett and then his uh, pinch hitter, Cardell Jones, were first-timers, and they went on to win a national championship. This idea that you got to pay your dues for a couple of years. You know, look at Georgia. They paid their dues with a couple of quarterbacks that still couldn't get it done. Bottom line is this is a special offense with, I think, a special quarterback in C.J. Stroud. He's a little different from Justin Fields, as you and I delineated many times, and uh, but the bottom line is he he is very talented, quite capable of running this offense, and uh, I think it's going to be fun to watch, especially with that offensive line in front of him. I mean, like I said, I've never covered a deeper offensive roster than this team this year, and I've been doing this for a long time. I'm talking about for Ohio State. I agree with everything you said. Big Ten prediction. So, what's your Big Ten? Make this a nutshell kind of thing. What? what <laughs> What nut has this kind of shell? I know. Uh, Big 10 prediction, who wins the East? Just tell me the name. Ohio State, yeah. Who wins the West and why?
1: I've really wrestled with it. And uh, I know that the first two teams that played in the West are not going to win the league. Um, That's about as far as I'm willing to go. Yeah, I know. I'm really out there on a limb. Uh, That could be a whole other show with what we saw in week zero, but – yeah. Um, Speaking of with, zero, go ahead. Yeah. When in doubt, um, pick Wisconsin to win the West. That's. Yeah. Um, I, I really think that that Iowa's an intriguing team for a Week One matchup. Uh, I think we might learn a lot about two programs in that game. Um, you know, Iowa and Indiana. If they if they've got realistic hopes of trying to dethrone Ohio State, either on one side or the other, uh, that's a game that you you need to take care of and win. Uh, there, there's a couple of really. Wisconsin as well, Penn State. Week week one is great. I think oh, yeah. we're, we're diving right into it. Um, I, I think Wisconsin, you know, Paul Chris might bore us to death uh, That Big Ten Media Days and those press conferences in Indy before they meet with Ohio State. Seems like every other year. Uh, maybe that's just the easy way to predict it is based on that schedule. But, uh, you know, you know that they're going to be fundamentally sound. You know that Chris is going to put their offense in good positions. Uh, not always the most exciting team to watch, but uh, they're pretty well built, well coached, and uh, I think we might get another, another chapter in that rivalry going on in December.
2: Now, that was a Brazil nutshell. Well, it, the East yeah. was easy. The, uh, you know, exactly. you got spend that time, give it to the West. I didn't, I didn't knock you. I just said it was a Brazil nutshell, not <laughs> a peanut shell. <laughs> a peanut's not even a nut, but I digress. Your yeah. national prediction, in a, in a nutshell, What kind of – your national prediction, final four,
1: go. Uh, I think Alabama will get the number one seed. Um, Almost – they just are gifted it whenever they win the SEC, which I think they will. Clemson, I think, will get the number two seed again. Untested, unchallenged, really, in the AC. Let me interrupt
2: you. So you see Clemson beating Georgia week one.
1: I do. Okay. uh, And I – I don't have. I don't think Georgia. Uh, they're going to Kirby Smart at some point is going to have to actually prove it when it matters most. I know he was close before and and you know pushed pushed Alabama to the brink. But uh, I'm not a believer in what he's doing with that program. Uh, I don't have them in the top four. I think Clemson will take the two seed. I think they'll win week one. We'll find out if that prediction comes true in a hurry. Uh, Ohio State, you know, will be the number three seed in the playoff. I believe. And then Oklahoma, uh, Spencer Rattler, I think, uh, for another question that you had in mind for these other two guys. Yeah. uh, Could be another fun season uh, for an Oklahoma quarterback in a a system that's very friendly for that. Um, Mike, I don't know if during the regular season we'll figure out if Alex Grinch has fixed all these problems that have happened to some of his defenses in the last few years, or he wasn't even solely responsible for one at Ohio State. But uh, I digress, as, as you say. Uh, you know, Oklahoma won't be able to really prove that they've uh, addressed the issues that have plagued them in the last couple of years, really, in my opinion, until they get to the college football playoff, and I think they will.
2: Yeah, but, you know, the, the, what, what's going on in college football now, and you know this as well as anybody, just outscore the other team. man. That's what Alabama did last year against <laughs> Ole Miss, what they did against Florida, and finally what they did against Ohio State. You know, I mean, Ohio State and Notre Dame, they just scored too many points you know, and uh, and wore you out, so to speak. And, uh, you know, I don't look at defense anywhere near like I used to. Just make a couple of stops a game that right. gets you in there. So, like you just pointed out, if Oklahoma can make a couple of stops, look out. As i told Dennis, Dennis Dodd and Bill Bender, the team I've really got my eye on is in the SEC West, and it's Texas A&M, only because Jimbo Fisher, I think it's his third year. Bottom line is he's got more of his guys in there. Yeah, they're replacing your quarterback, but I thought Kellen Mond was a little bit of uh, – you know, I, I mean, I'm really interested to see where they go offensively. The fact they get to host Alabama in them in a, what middle of early October, that'll be a real harbinger game for both of those programs, I do believe. I the thing you know, not think it doesn't bother me about Alabama, but the thing I would be wondering if I'm if I'm an if I was an Alabama fan is is they're talking about Jameson Williams like he has stepped in and just given them that special part they needed, you know and uh You know where I'm going with that. I mean, you know, this time a year ago, he's at Ohio State. He transferred to Alabama after spring football this past year. And uh, I don't know. I don't know if Alabama is as loaded as, as, uh, no, they got really good offensive and defensive linemen, guys like that. I just don't know if they're as loaded as as they nearly as they were a year ago. Well, what's what's your thought on that?
1: If Jamison Williams uh, becomes their top threat, then what you're saying is definitely within bounds uh I'm not going to you know criticize him over his decision oh, yeah I'm not no I'm not doing that I I'm just that, talking about but I know that he's not you know a, what I'm a, saying a,
2: there
3: yeah
1: yeah I know I'm just saying he's I, he would have been a great piece to the Ohio State offense but yes. he wasn't going to be a starter for this wide receiver group so you know that's that's not a criticism of him but if you're comparing that to Devonta Smith and Jalen Waddell and, and the guys that have been through Alabama at wide receiver, that, like, that's not the same. So that would be a pretty big tip-off that, that Alabama, which when they had a bunch of seniors come back and veterans and what we talked about with that assemblage of talent that they had, that's, it's rare to put that together. Yes, So it's natural that they would take a step back. I still think the same thing applies to them, that everyone asks, you know, or, or the criticism in the offseason about Ohio State is, well, they lost Justin Fields they're going to have to regress a quarterback. Well, they have a five-star quarterback. And Alabama has, you know, four- and five-star wide receivers. We may not know who they all are. Yeah. Uh, you know, but you give them – they've more than earned the benefit of the doubt, and it's not even doubt if you're just looking at the recruiting rankings and you have better players than everyone
2: else. Exactly. I agree I agree with everything you just said. You know, and it's, it's really interesting. Uh, uh, we'll get to a little wrap-up here in a second. Uh, your Heisman favorite, who's going to emerge? Let's just merge those two uh, – those two questions, because this might be, you know, the same question, but, you know, who who's going to like really step up and kind of steal the show like Devontae Smith did last year, do you think nationally, uh, which is that's kind of become what the Heisman's been about recently, you know, in recent times is somebody just having that ridiculous year and coming out of nowhere and stuff. Uh, I see three quarterbacks. That nobody knows about, no, doesn't know enough about to like make a judgment call at Alabama, at Clemson, at Ohio State. You know what I mean? And uh, and then you got Sam Howell, you know, at uh, North Carolina, and you got Spencer Rattler at Oklahoma, who would be the probably Rattler would be number one, and maybe Howell number two going into the year, just because you know something about him. Who's that name? Who's that name you, that's that you got in the back of your mind that could really jump into that national uh, dialogue?
1: And this might sound crazy just because it's the team that I cover, but I think Chris Olave has the name recognition, the opportunity to make as many plays as Devontae Smith did. Now he won't be back there on special teams other than being one of the the most overqualified and successful gunners maybe in college football down there on the punt team. But, um, you know, I, I don't know. It doesn't fit in with the way that normal Heisman campaigns seem to work recently. Obviously, it tends to be to the quarterback, and then it's the shiny new quarterback that emerges. So that does lend itself to C.J. Stroud potentially getting in there, and I think that he would most likely be a Heisman finalist if things go the way uh, I expect them to with his ability and the players that he's around. But I don't know. Olave and Garrett Wilson both are going to have a chance to put up some really crazy numbers, I think. And if people are expanding what they're looking for in a candidate, it wouldn't surprise me if they just start putting together highlight reels of Olave, you know, chasing down punts and downing them inside the five. and Yeah. Uh, blocking you know, a
2: punt. Remember yeah, the block?
1: Yeah. Any of that stuff. And, and I, you know, I, I guess if you're asking me for somebody who's not on the radar, I, I just think that there will be that, like, Hey, this guy put off the NFL. You already know he's great. You've been seeing him do it for three years and he had the moment, the setback in the Fiesta Bowl and came like, there's parts of it that I can see like, lining up for him to build an interesting campaign. Again, I think that CJ Stroud is the Heisman candidate on Ohio State, but Olave might well be the most important part of uh helping if we're going to be talking about a historically great offense for Ohio State, Chris Olave is going to have to be a big part of that.
2: Yeah. Do not ever forget that home side kick catch. Oh my oh, goodness. Boy. One of the greatest executed that may be the greatest executed play I've ever seen in special teams. Right. It had to be perfect. And uh when you got Olave on the other end, you know he's going to catch it. But that was that was that'll be on the highlight tape when they go to uh, New York. Yep. Hey, last thing yep. I want you know you touched on this a minute ago, and this is why I like Ohio State all the way through this year. Is it's a little bit like Alabama was last year? I think it's got the best wide receiver room in the country. You got to argue Alabama had it last year when they okay. lose a Jalen Waddle and the other guy wins the Heisman Trophy. Are you kidding me? <laughs> uh, I think Ohio State's got that this year. But I see it's also got some other things like Alabama had a year ago. It's got Thayer Munford coming back, wanting to be part of something special. Chris Olave coming back, wanting to be part of something special. And, uh, you know, a couple of guys we talked about earlier, for example, who I keep, you know, reminding people of the guys who rise through the program, you almost forget about because you're so looking at the new fellas. But a Teron Vincent, an Antoine Jackson, uh, a Cam Brown, those kind of fellas – uh, just can elevate you if, in fact, it, it's finally their year. And uh, that's not really – you know, Dewan Jones, you know, he, he's he's really been the story of preseason camp when you think about it, the fact that they've totally changed up their offensive line because he's played well enough to be in the starting five, in their opinion, and they're all fired up about it. All the starting five are fired up about it. Yep. At least we think they are. But the bottom line is, you know, that's what that's what I see – about Ohio State, that if you were looking at Alabama, you saw a very similar thing last year. Am I wrong? I think it's interesting because, and
1: I don't know how prevalent this is. I'm basing it off of one question of the day submission that I got last week, which was that uh, there was a belief that there was this massive youth movement going on for Ohio State. And I'm not saying that, you know, it's, it's right or wrong, because I don't know how many freshmen it takes for that to qualify or or players that weren't previous starters, you know, I, I don't know. Yeah. And everyone's entitled to their opinion on it, but <clears throat> I tend to side with you. And this is what I wrote that the, you have a, you have Jeremy Ruckert that put off the NFL there. Munford that put off the NFL Nicholas Petit Frere could have left for the NFL. Didn't, um, you know, could it go on with the veterans there? Uh, Olave coming back yeah. Uh, yeah. on the defensive side, seven banks, Josh Proctor, you know, maybe wouldn't have been at his time, but could have gone on as well. You know, you have Tyreek Smith was in that same position after the Clemson game. So you look at this team, and even at linebacker, where the biggest questions may be for Ohio State or the biggest uncertainty, that's still Taraja Mitchell, senior, Dallas Gantt, senior, Kayvon Pope, senior. Yeah. Uh, everywhere there are veterans, now except quarterback. And we t- you have already touched on that on this show, that first-year quarterbacks in this day and age, especially when they're surrounded with this much talent, you know, it might not be the disadvantage that it used to be or, or something that couldn't be overcome. Mac Everyone's Jones.
2: Low. Mac yeah. Jones last year. Yeah.
1: Yeah, even – so you just look at it, and Ohio State is in a position where because they recruit at this level every single year, it may take guys time to get on the field. But then there's a lot of proven production on this team that you don't have to rely on Travion Henderson or Jack yes. Sawyer or JT Tuimolau. Malau. Uh, now, could they? Could Donovan Jackson be it? You know, we'll see what plays out. Denzel Burke, we can name the names. But Ohio State doesn't have to have instant impact players. So it's not a youth movement. It's just Ohio State movement. Yeah, It's just the way that the program is built right now. And it goes back to your very first question. I don't know that the machine has ever been operating at a higher level than it is right now. And it's really a sight to behold.
2: Yes. And I'm looking forward to beholding that sight as are you. Awesome, Ward. Can't Uh, wait. Man, see, see, always, always my, at the beginning of this show, ladies and gentlemen, my uh, trusted co pilot was in the, uh, was in, was in the restroom back at the back of the plane, but he moved up front and you can see what he brings to the, to the show. (laughs) Some loopy loops, some barrel rolls, you name it. We, we, we gave it to you in this preseason podcast. Awesome. Thanks for being with me again, my man. Always a pleasure, my friend. Hey, we'll be back to dissect, you know, hey, what went right, what went wrong, what's what's ahead for Ohio State after that season opener next week. But for Awesome Ward, until then, this is Tim May. We'll see you then.
0: Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've
2: gotten lucky?
3: Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office.